have to confess that for most of my childhood, I thought I hated history. But as an adult, I've realized that when history is told well, it's really just a great story. Often, the most interesting stories of history weren't in my textbooks, which is why I want to share with you a podcast I discovered recently called Misrepresented, a podcast that brings to life the stories of history that we often don't hear. Here's what it sounds like. Growing up, I always felt uncomfortable in history class. We study the past to better understand our present. I felt awkward, though, because I wasn't a part of that past. My family is from India, and we didn't come to America until the 1960s. So we didn't really contribute very much to the Western world. Or at least, that's what I was taught. In 2019, I moved to India to go learn my ancestors' history. Instead, I learned that everything I thought I knew about the world was missing some key pieces. Like you and I know that the United States was first built on slavery. Europeans sailed to Africa, where they purchased literal human beings, whom they then brought over to the Americas, aka the transatlantic slave trade. Except that story doesn't mention the part where Europeans traded Indian cotton in exchange for those human beings. Another one. I actually spent a few years living in Austria as a kid. You best believe we learned a ton about World War II. Yet in none of those years did I ever hear that two and a half million South Asian men voluntarily fought in the war. In fact, they formed the largest volunteer army in world history. But I think I was most surprised when I started putting all of these pieces together. Up until the 18th century, South Asia was responsible for a quarter of the world's GDP. That was more than all of Europe combined. And the one thing that I for sure learned in history class was that wealth equals power and influence. So why didn't I learn about South Asia's influence on the world? Listen and subscribe to Misrepresented on your favorite podcast app. This is Shelter in Place, a podcast about embracing the journey in a world forever changed. Coming to you from Oakland, California, I'm Laura Joyce Davis. A few episodes ago, I shared my New Year's resolutions for 2022. There were only two, find creative solutions when the work piles up and play more, or at least approach life with a bit more playfulness whenever I can. Today, I'm doing a bit of both. After a month of our family getting sick with COVID, kids being home from school, and life not slowing down one little bit, I need it. Maybe you do too. How could this be? I can't take this anymore. <sighs> That voice that you heard just now was my youngest daughter, Matea, who some of you might recognize from past episodes, and a few choice outtakes. It was Matea who made things temporarily tense with our neighbors when she peed on their bushes uninvited. Matea, who never misses a chance to let the world know that she's here. Even as a baby, I can remember standing in the grocery store checkout line with her in the kid backpack, 
The only place she was happy, since seeing the world and being seen, was extremely important to her, even at the tender age of one. She'd say hello to everyone we passed, charm the socks off the checkout worker, and on the rare occasion that someone didn't notice her, she'd say, hi, even louder, to make sure that they didn't miss this amazing opportunity to behold her cuteness. When I hear the word playful, it's Matea who comes to mind. So this week, as the COVID brain fog and fatigue lingers and our little girl turns five, we're mixing up the usual episodes and instead devoting an entire episode to playfulness personified. That's right, Matea. Today's episode is all about you. Because hey, that's how you see the world right now. And since you're turning five, and you're really good at counting, we want to share five qualities we see in you that all of us can learn from. Number one, let's get dirty. For someone who never misses an opportunity to get fancy, who thinks that the frilly Christmas dress with the red satin sash is the perfect attire to go for a bike ride, or help daddy with yard work, or fry bacon, we'll get to that later, Matea is equally enthusiastic about trashing that beautiful dress. Is it that she's in too much of a rush to pursue life's next adventure? That she can't be bothered to change into more sensible clothing? Clothing that might be seen as normal? Or that she sees footwear as an injustice that her feet must endure and be freed from on a daily basis? Whatever her reasons, Matea embraces life's muddiness with vigor and determination that leaves the rest of us awestruck. And yes, also irritated when she tracks mud into our shoes off house, mud onto the backyard trampoline, mud into the sheets on her bed. And don't even get me started talking about the tights and socks that get trashed daily. Since to Matea, shoes are optional, but socks are not. As much as I wish my daughter would learn to follow basic footwear etiquette, I also recognize the metaphor when it pokes holes in those dirty stockings. Because life is full of chances to get dirty. Some we choose, while others choose us. I may sometimes want my life to be perfectly ordered and sanitized of all the discomforts and disappointments, but when I'm able to embrace those messier moments of living, I'm almost always glad I did. Because often there's an adventure to be found in the path those muddy tights tread. There are new skills or experiences or relationships to be found while we're trashing that beautiful dress. Are there grease spots and paint splatters and Sharpie stains on almost every item of clothing Matea owns? Yes. Did she earn those badges of honor, painting the back porch or raking leaves or helping daddy operate power tools? Absolutely. Will this set her up well for a future as an artist, or a plumber, or a chef, or a childcare provider, or a mom? 100%. Matea reminds us that getting our hands dirty and not being afraid of hard work often go hand in hand. And Matea, we're proud of you for that. Now, if you could just either take your socks off or put your shoes on when you go outside for about the next 13 years, that'd be great. Number two. The joy of cooking. I'll never forget the morning about a year ago when we were in our little Massachusetts apartment and I'd gotten up at 5 a.m. to start working. And then at some point I heard wrestling in the kitchen. It was Matea standing there cracking eggs into a metal mixing bowl and then adding a bit of milk, a bit of salt, a bit of pepper. She'd been helping in the kitchen since she was old enough to walk. 
But in this moment, it was clear she'd actually learned something. Yes, there were a few eggshells in her scramble, and there may have been a touch too much salt. But there was no doubt about it. Matea was making scrambled eggs as a not-yet-four-year-old, and she actually knew what she was doing. I've mostly taken over breakfast these past two years, since we've realized the mornings are Laura's best time to write, and more often than not, Matea is there with me. Since she's still not even as tall as the countertop, she pulls up the stool, starts cracking eggs or stirring oatmeal, and eagerly adds seasonings. Letting Matea join us in the kitchen isn't always easy. It takes a lot longer to make something when you're teaching it as you go. We've choked down more than a few extra salty bowls of oatmeal because I turned my back long enough for her to add her own Matea flair. It can be dangerous to have her in the kitchen, especially because the more she cooks with us, the more she feels confident to cook on her own. Should she be using a real paring knife to slice up apples for afternoon snack? Well, she doesn't like the kitty plastic one because it doesn't cut as straight. And really, you know, I can't blame her. I feel the same way. So I tell her to take it slow. A few weeks ago, Matea cut her finger for the first time while she was chopping something. It was just a tiny sliver and it barely even bled. But her reaction to the injury was classic Matea. She eagerly requested a tiny Band-Aid, breathed deeply when I told her it would help the pain, and then, for the rest of the day, bragged to her siblings about how she'd cut her finger cooking. As I washed her wound and then wrapped it with the requested tiny Band-Aid, I told her this probably wouldn't be the last time she cut herself. I've been cooking since I was Matea's age, first with my mom and my grandma, and then on my own, and finally for my own family. I love cooking when I have the time for it, and I've been known to tackle complicated dishes like Peking duck and pork belly confit. But even now, I still cut myself sometimes. In college, when I was learning to fry fish, I had to drive myself to the emergency room when grease splattered my face and neck and gave me second-degree burns. I have a few scars from my cooking mishaps. There's a place below my second knuckle that still tingles when I press it because I cut it so deep two decades ago. Life, like cooking, will burn us and cut us if we expose ourselves to it. The only way to not get hurt is to not cook, to not live. The more we learn and grow, the more chances we take, the greater the chance of injury. Yes, we can avoid the risks of cuts and burns if we stay away from cooking, but we miss out on so much. We never get to discover the sweet and nutty magic of brown butter or the otherworldly beauty of a Kyojia beet. We miss out on the way making a meal or a life with your mother or your grandpa or your sibling or your friend can bring us closer together. How the way a person flips a pancake or carefully measures a cup of flour or kneads a loaf of bread can tell you a lot about who they are and what's important to them. How the act of creation itself can be a joy I'll be right back with more of this story right after a short message from one of our sponsors. Back in 2003, when I was in my 20s, I thought I might want to be a web designer. I took some night classes at the community college, learned HTML, and even got my first client. I learned how to create a website, but mostly I learned that that work was not for me. Fortunately today, if you need a website for your business, there are much easier options, like Pair Networks. That's Pair, P-A-I-R, like two. Not Pair like the fruit, by the way. Pair includes DIY website building tools with drag and drop editing, so anyone can do it. 
no community college required. They have 24-7 U.S.-based customer support. Visit pair.com slash free and enter the code QUICKSTART to get your first month of website hosting for free. That's P-A-I-R dot com slash free with the promo code QUICKSTART. Those connections with food and culture and family can be so powerful that they shape the people we become. We devoted a whole episode to this topic in season two called Symbolic Starter. It's still one of my favorite episodes that we've ever done. Matea, we hope that you will keep cooking and living fully for many years to come. That the cuts and burns will be just big enough to teach you something, but not so bad they stop you from creating. Oh, and watch the salt. I love cutting things with paper. Unicorn cutting my hair. Three, hair adventures. I'll confess that I'm surprised it took me until kid number three for this one. Look back at my baby and toddler pictures and it's clear that the obsession with cutting my own hair started early. My hair has always been fine and wispy, not much there to work with. And my poor mother had even less to work with when I cut my entire head of hair close to the scalp days before she'd scheduled a photo shoot at the local mall. You might think that I would have outgrown my fascination with scissors, but no. I was old enough to remember when I decided that my little brother needed a few bald patches to make his own three-year-old haircut complete. Just last week, I was getting bored with my hair, and so I pulled out the scissors and cut off an inch or two. So I couldn't be too mad the first time when Matea cut her own hair down to the scalp, right above her forehead. Or the second time, when she cut off a patch in the back or when she decided her friend Greta needed a haircut too. Those of you who heard our audio holiday card, Tres Corazones, heard about that one already. We are all very grateful that Greta and her parents have found it in their hearts to forgive us. Well, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, or in this case, the orchard. Some would call me a repeat offender in the mullet department, which Laura has bemoaned in our episode titled COVID Cut. My other greatest haircut hits have included long and shaggy, shaved head, top knot, pretty much everything in between. Some people blame not going to get their haircut by a professional on the pandemic, but I bought clippers years ago. I'll never go back. Even as an adult, there's something transgressive about cutting your own hair and a not-so-secret pride when you get a compliment on your homemade faux hawk. Matea's response to her hair misadventures is once again telling. That first time when she cut her bangs down to the scalp, it took us a week to notice because she started wearing an elastic headband with a giant bow strategically placed right on top of the stubby hair. Only when she whipped it off to take a bath did we notice the toddler mullet. We were all so surprised that we immediately started cracking up, but Matea was undeterred. Even now, she stands by her fashion statement. Not once have I seen a trace of regret as she rocks that business-in-the-front-party-in-the-back look that just won't be hidden. It's taken me until my 40s to have a trace of that kind of confidence and self-assurance that I see Matea embody every single day. She simply does not care what other people think about her. So what if mullets and leopard print clothing and cowboy boots are typically only found together in Tiger King? It's how Matea's decided to show up in the world today, and the rest of us could learn a thing or two from her by watching. 
She's not wrong. Point to any great leader, innovator, artist, or inventor, and you'll see a long trail of experiments. Ideas that others condemned to failure, or didn't value, or just didn't think were appropriate for the time. It takes a tremendous amount of courage to not give up when your experiments go badly, or when the world tells you that you're doing it wrong. I hope that we can foster that adventurous spirit and spunky confidence for many years to come. And also, we're keeping those scissors out of reach for a little while longer. Number four, she knows how to help herself to pretty much everything. Almost every day before Grace and Gabe leave for school, Grace turns on her heel and pleads, Please don't let Matea get into my stuff. Because even though there's only about a half hour gap between when Grace leaves and Matea heads off to preschool, Given the chance, she'll use those precious few minutes to get into mischief of her own making. A few classic examples. Matea, standing on the kitchen counter to reach mommy and daddy's not-so-secret stash of Oreos on the top shelf. Matea, standing on the desk to pull a clean sheet of paper from the printer because all of the other ones already have a unicorn or mermaid drawn on them. Matea, standing on a stool with the fridge door wide open, helping herself to a snack. Matea with a spoon and the canister of brown sugar, shoveling that stuff into her mouth as fast as she can. In a little two-bedroom bungalow in Oakland, California, there roamed a fearsome marauder. She prowled, she climbed, she explored. Cookies and costume jewelry and Legos would vanish without a trace. Nothing was safe from Matea. Maybe this is just a youngest kid thing. Defend for yourself whenever possible. I guess that's what happens when you have two older siblings to observe and two parents who are often too tired or too busy working to notice you sneaking around helping yourself to the bag of tortilla chips or your sixth clementine. Laura is a third kid too, and she said she used to do the exact same thing. She'd climb up on top of cupboards to eat sugar by the spoonful, or sneak a few marshmallows when no one was looking. That quality of helping yourself and taking initiative keeps us on our toes as parents, but I can already see how it'll serve Matea well later in life. For decades, I've watched Laura adapt and problem solve in seemingly impossible situations, and I can sometimes glimpse that third child in her who feels frustrated by things just out of her reach, but then almost immediately pulls out the metaphorical stool to find some new way of getting to the thing she's after. Matea, may your problem-solving skills serve you well. May they keep you resilient and creative. May they bring opportunities your way that the rest of us would just pass by or give up on. Keep it up, our little explorer. Just ask first. Which brings us to five, negotiating. Our dear Matea. If I offer you the super cute shoes that look like two mice, you shake your head and instead find the ones Aunt Jane got you that light up when you walk. Which, fair. If I put five baby carrots in her lunch, without fail, she'll respond, How about three? If we ask her to help her siblings fold the laundry, seconds later she'll reappear and announce, I'm done, and hope we won't notice all the clothes covering every square inch of the floor and crammed randomly into bins. No doubt, child development experts would reassure us that this is age-appropriate, especially with two older siblings who have no shortage of their own opinions. But when every single interaction involves cajoling, arguing, convincing, discussion, more arguing, debate, subterfuge, rhetoric, and a little more arguing, it just really wears us down. Sometimes I wish you would just say, 
yes, daddy, and call it a day. And yet even in this, there's a gift to be found if we're looking for it. Never accept the first offer is the cardinal rule of negotiations. It's what we tell every single one of our Kasama Collective trainees whenever they've been offered a new job. We've celebrated every time one of them has succeeded in getting a higher salary or better benefits or more vacation as a result. It's taken me most of my adult life to understand that that advice isn't greedy. It's what we have to do, as women especially, if we don't want people to take advantage of us. I've left money on the table many times in professional situations where I realized only when it was too late that I could have asked for more. It's awkward to push back to advocate for yourself, to ask for what you actually deserve, to have the confidence to say that your work is worth being paid well. Growing up, I can remember all kinds of situations where I was painfully aware of being too strong or too opinionated or not agreeable or compliant enough. In professional situations, where I was often the only woman in the room, I learned to keep my mouth shut and my emotions locked up tight. I'm incredibly grateful that the world is changing, that my girls are growing up in a culture where being strong isn't a bad thing. Matea, I hope that we can help you hold on to that belief that your opinions matter, that you don't have to accept the first thing offered. So happy birthday, my sock dirtying, egg scrambling, hair cutting, self-helping, top-notch negotiating five-year-old. We love you so much. We're so proud of the girl you're becoming. And also, when we're asking you to help with chores or pick up your toys, it's fine to just say, yes, mommy. We're ending this episode today by sharing some of our favorite Matea moments in the outtakes. So as always, listen to the very end so you don't miss them. If you'd like to make our day, leave us a five-star review on Podchaser, Good Pods, or Apple Podcasts. Nothing makes us feel as seen and grateful as knowing that you're listening. The Shelter in Place music was created by Chase Horseman at Reactor Productions. Additional music and sound effects for this episode come from Storyblocks. Nate Davis is our creative director, Sarah Edgel is our design director, and Melissa Lent is our project manager. Until next time, this is Shelter in Place. I'm Laura Joyce Davis. And now, if you're still listening, here's a little outtake. And that was fun. What was fun? The hospital. Check. They are not the countries of America. And that was super annoying. And they didn't have to do it. And they were so honest. They had, oh, and he had not a dog. And he had way consequences. All of the things that he wanted, all of the things and the numbers. That was so super cool. Slip on his hat flew away from the water pills. <gasps> They will not worry about that again. Like, it's very snowy out, and, um, and it's really deep in the snow. And my, my favorite book is Little Red Riding Hood. Do you think Little Red Riding Hood and Santa are related? No. <laughs> but they both were red. Yeah, yeah. What if Santa's Little Red Riding Hood's grandpa? Ha <laughs> ha!
great-great-great-great-great-grandfather. <laughs> yeah. He has such a long, big beard. <laughs> not long, but plot. No, we're not talking about his plot. <laughs> Yeah, I can delete it. <laughs>